Okay, my cat just opened the door by himself, and now it is wide open, and he walked away. Happy, Happy New Year! Year. <laughs> hey, I'm Brenna. And I'm AC. And welcome to An Obsessive Nature, where we're geeks, but we're also writers now. Hello, everyone. Uh, in honor of <laughs> the worst year of all time being over, we are going to talk about our favorite villains um, in, like, TV, yeah. movies, books, etc. Um yeah, I think it'll be a fun conversation because villains are way more interesting to talk about than non-villains, than good people. So. It makes me feel better about the kind of person I am. <laughs> yeah, because the best villains are yeah. like multi-layered. Like good people are just really boring, just real but like people. anti-heroes and villains are super interesting. Kind of. Yeah, we're all anti-heroes. I mean, there's no way around that. So. Except for Mother Teresa. She's just a villain? Is that your... <laughs> Exactly, that's what I mean. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I think we're also sort of, this whole thing is building off of our previous episode about um, underrated female characters. Like, it was kind of cool to touch on lots of different yeah, stories. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know if these ones are underrated, but I think they're underrated to someone, so. At least mine are. Yeah. <laughs> But sometimes it's just fun to talk yeah. about things. Yeah, well, that's what this podcast is, talking about things. Anything to add before we hop in? I think standard format, we're going to probably take turns, and I think yeah. we both sort of have our own particular paths of villain worlds that we could easily spiral into, um, <laughs> so we'll maybe try to keep that to a minimum, but also enjoy ourselves. Yeah, and I was just going to say when I kind of made, I made a list of three um and i basically had with the caveat that all of my actual favorite villains are pretty much comic book villains uh so like i didn't pick comic book villains because i didn't want it to be just comic book villains oh. <laughs> so um but i i forced myself to pick ones that weren't weren't loki or the joker etc so Boo. <laughs> the new show coming out next year looks phenomenal and i'm so glad we get more loki so He's pretty much the only Marvel villain that's, like, worked for the most part. I mean, Thanos definitely worked, but before then it was basically just Loki. So, And he's not even really a villain. He's definitely an anti-hero. What about Venom? I mean, Venom is not really part of the MCU, so I don't consider him. I actually... So, I am a huge comic book movie fan, but I have never seen the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Um... And I didn't see the Venom with Tom Hardy, um, mm. the one that came out rec- more recently. But okay, my cat just opened the door by himself, and now it is wide open, and he walked away. <sighs> That's creepy. <laughs> so yes, I'm not gonna do comic book villains. Mysterio is also a great one. So is Magneto. <laughs> the end. Okay. Okay. Are they both in here now? Good lord. <sighs> and now Martin's in here. It's like a freaking party. Well, I mean, he's getting the cast, so. Can you, well, I guess, yeah, lock the door. He can't open it if it's locked because he can't press down on it. <laughs> He'll still try, I'm sure. He'll still try. He's hungry. All right, yes, give your disclaimer, then why don't you, you give your first one because I've talked too long. Um, so I also knew that if I let myself, I think all of the villains I chose would be Buffy villains, but I still let myself pick two. <laughs> when I was doing research for this, in reading, there's a lot of academic Buffy writing. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, 
there were like these lists when well, there's also like pop culture buzzfeed lists but there were like the top 100 villains of buffy the vampire slayer or like all 1000 villains of buffy the vampire slayer I'm like jesus there are a lot yeah um yeah but i basically oh and i found this really cool article that i might link to when we upload because it's just interesting anybody who's interested in buffy would love to read it um from ucla but i would should i start with my first one yeah go for it you've already introduced it it. yeah yeah have you looked at it because i put in some images just for you oh awesome yay let me see oh my Um, this yes (laughs) this first villain's name is sweet but i don't i had no idea that's what his name was but he's basically the villain from the buffy the vampire slayer musical episode um if anybody's seen it you'll know who I'm talking about but I put images of him into our google doc because I wanted to see if Brenna could uh figure out what his character design was inspired by because it's kind of why I love him but I think it's also kind of remarkably subtle I mean I want to see what to me it looks like a mix of Red Skull, the Green Goblin, and uh, the mask. Jim Carrey's like character from The Mask, that terrible, scary movie or whatever. <laughs> All valid observations. Um, I'm sure once you say it, so I'll be like, oh. <laughs> his head looks like a heart. Oh, yep, you're right. <laughs> yeah, um, anybody, really I, honestly, it's worth, right? Yeah, it's like so with the well like, ventricles going out of his chin. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's really well done. You're right. I was thinking like actual pop culture, like other characters, but that's really awesome. Yeah, I should have told you what object does it look like. Yeah, that's so cool. That helped. It might have. Um, but I think this whole episode is about like the whole premise is that this kind of curse comes down onto the town and everybody suddenly like whenever they feel any strong emotion, they burst out into song and dance and it's like totally unfiltered. So all of the things they're holding inside, like all the things they don't want to tell their loved ones are just kind of coming out. Um, So it's very more, the episode's called Once More With Feeling. It's Mm -hmm. very about emotions. And I just thought it was so genius. And it took me a lot of watches to realize, oh, his head is a heart. (laughs) Um, But again, once you see it, it's like, oh, duh. Yeah. And I just think that's so fucking cool. Yeah. And it doesn't look, I mean, it, like from the image, it really doesn't look like, I don't know, kitschy or weird. Like it, it looks very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's from the 90s, yeah. early 2000s. Yeah, looks... So <laughs> that's a big deal. Yeah. It's big. TV show, no less. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's a super, I mean, and he's just sort of a Broadway character. He is despicable, but he also sings and dances. So I mean, it's just um, an incredible feet I think to have a character like that that still feels threatening and I just it's one of my favorite things to watch because it's such a great premise and it's so therapeutic yeah and I think about emotions all the time so emotions we're very emotional people it's true we should never run for office we're too emotional as women am I right yeah no for sure as long as we are menstruating (laughs) Yeah, once I hit menopause, I am no longer a woman, and whatever you like. So, all right, um, I can tell why you put feminism in the background of our new new podcast image. <laughs> Do you like how the word "sex" is right by my head? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywho, check check out our new podcast artwork that 
Anna Claire designed. It was beautiful. It's beautiful. So. Aw, thanks. You're welcome. I wonder how many times you're going to say that. It makes me happy every time. Well, when people are talented, I tell them. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Is that is that where you're okay. what you? Okay, I want to hear yours. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's my first one. I want to hear your first one. I'm excited. I mean, so I had to go with Hunger Games one because, I don't know, out of all, that's kind of my, my biggest franchise in terms of what I've, you know, inspired me in terms of my own writing and whatnot. Um, and you know, I could pick like President Snow or President Coin, um, but I kind of just wanted to talk about like the careers and, and Cato in general. Um, well the careers in general, but Cato mostly, um, just because like, they're not really like, I mean, I didn't read the stupid, I still, I own it, but I still haven't read, uh, what is it? A Songbird of Snakes and whatever the new, the prequel that's about, I did not read the prequel that's about President Snow. But like most people, I was upset because I just didn't want to see him in any sort of good light. Like, why would I want to do that? Yeah. It's so stupid. They could have picked any other character. I'm sure it's well-written or what. I'm sure it's fine. But um, like, it just seemed from the uh, from the movies and the books, it's just President Snow is really, it seems to have absolutely no redeeming qualities like at all. And that's tough for that to be like, a, I mean, he's, there's like there's a villain where you know you were completely just I don't like it's so hard because like I want to just compare every villain to like the Joker or Thanos like the Joker is just (laughs) crazy so that's like a whole different side Thanos like thought he was doing right which is like kind of what most villains think is that they're doing right I don't really think President Snow is thinking he's doing right he's just like power hungry so um I don't know there's so many different types of villains but he's he's just not really that compelling I mean and that's probably yeah, why we very, need, he seems very wonderful. Pri- probably why we needed a, a prequel, but not that I I didn't really want it. But um so I am specifically talking about he did not do this in the books, but in the movies he has that like crazy speech at the end, Cato does, that's really awesome, where he's like covered in blood and he's about to or he's um because in the books I believe he just like was getting eaten by like the um, the mutts at the end at the cornucopia, like right when it was Peta, it was Peta, Katniss, and Cato, and he was getting eaten, and like Katniss yeah. shoots him to save him because he's in terrible pain. Um, and in the books, he like he kind of has this little, or in the movie, he has this little speech that's like, "I was always dead anyway. Like I always was. That's basically what I mean. That's what the careers are trained to do is literally just go into the games. And granted, like they a lot of times they win because you know." they're that's what they train their whole lives to do they're not starving their whole lives like people in district 12 but um yeah I think that that's just such an interesting like way to look at it because I mean first of all I mean you can't really be that much of a villain if you're a kid who has been told to do this like nobody in the games is really a villain like uh and I think it's just that's way more interesting to me than like President Snow um or President Coin or I don't know who else is like a villain and in the Hunger Games. I mean, I guess all it's mostly just like the other people in the games, but not again, they're all kids. Yeah. I mean, even in or like a random person in the capital, maybe I don't know. Even in like the uh, even the second or the the games in Catching Fire where they're all the victors, so they're adults. I mean, still like they were literally trained to do this. None of them asked to be put like, you know, it's just stupid. But I think that that's what makes them yeah. way more compelling than the ones that are orchestrating the whole thing. Um, it's just that you know they only know how to win the games. <laughs> That's all they learn yeah, to do. Yeah, no, I get it. So it's just really sad. 
Um, and I really liked how, um, I liked the way, like the way that he died. Um, well, I mean, it was really devastating, but that Katniss like spared him or that Katniss, um, you know, shot him cause she was, he was, you know, very much in pain. So yeah, yeah, but that's my first one because I think Hunger Games is great. So <laughs> I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Spike is my second. He's also for Buffy, <laughs> but he's um. I'm sort of also using this as an opportunity to talk about the whole philosophy of villains in that show because I do think it's interesting, especially from a writing perspective. And we are writers. What? And this is about writing. Um. But the whole, because there was originally a Buffy movie, um, and when people came to Joss Whedon, the creator, with the idea to have a series, uh, when he talks about it, he says that he thought about it, and he was like, well, if I take, if I use the um, monsters in these, like, horror tropes, and I make the metaphors for the actual horrific and terrible things that happen in high school I'll have like more than enough content for like seven seasons um so that was the whole and you can tell when you watch the show like villains are representing like abuse or bullying or I don't know um like the kid that no one talks to like what happens to them with all of that or whatever but I thought Spike is sort of a contradiction to it because the actor sort of went in as a bit of an anarchist and because um, all the vampires were supposed to be like soulless demons so that you never questioned Buffy's goodness for killing them. Yeah. But he played it as sort of, um, he played the character as having at least being capable of love. And then later they actually write it into the story and his whole backstory, he's kind of like, a fool for love um and he has this very unique sort of soul i don't know there's a word for soullessness but there's not a word for soul having this but that's what i mean he has this like little piece and it's very intriguing and he's one of my favorite characters of all time and i just something about someone being supposed someone who's supposed to be this like soulless demon loving people so intensely that it brings a bit of their humanity back is like very compelling um and hopeful and mm -hmm. we need that kind of thing or at least i do but and it even inspired my loves bitch sticker available on your etsy store <laughs> yes um but yeah that's um i like both approaches to characters in the show like i like the original concept and I like how he fucked it up I think both are cool and it's great that both exist um but he's still probably my favorite mm -hmm. sorry Joss but I'm done talking about Buffy now promise well speaking of vampires I did get recommended a video this morning that was talking about oh, yeah? how like basically uh I didn't watch really the whole thing but I <laughs> was talking about how Taylor Lautner's life was ruined by Twilight. But then again, it was also like every actor's life was ruined by Twilight. Um, because he got so objective. Yeah. Kristen and, and Edward Kristen and Edward. Oh my god. Kristen and Robert really kind of 
I think they, they're just, they thrive so well in like indie films of like, they're just, cause they're like, I don't know, they're actors. They're like actual actors where like some of the people in Twilight were literally just there to be hot. And like, they were, it was made known that like I was in the video, Taylor was basically saying like, yeah, I had my shirt off more than I had my shirt on. It was so embarrassing and objectifying. And I'm like, wow, if only, you know, more, I mean, I think women do speak out about this, but like, I'm glad that he spoke out about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just. No. It's so sad. <laughs> I looked at his Instagram, and then sad. I looked at his Instagram, and like he is in a happy relationship. He has like six million something million followers. I mean, whatever. Good for good for them. But you Probably know, probably plenty of money. Yeah, I mean, Robert is freaking Batman, so things are good yeah. for for the main, the two the two main uh, stars. But anywho, I don't know. Kristen's most recent film sucks. <laughs> She's she's very hit or miss. I know everyone, every single person thought she was such a bad actress. And then like we continue to think that because she was in some films that were so bad, but like she actually can be yeah. very good. It's just weird. No, I loved her in the I'm talking about the lesbian Christmas movie. I loved her in it, yes. but I hated the girl she was supposed to be with. Got it. Yeah. Um as did most people, I think. Yeah, well. Anywho, um, so moving on from that. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. There's one more thing I was going to yes. say about um, that. I thought it was interesting that uh, apparently a philosophy of like the Whedon verse, like writer's room, mm-hmm. is to always have a character that like names the elephant in the room, but in a mean way. And it's like a staple because it is relatable to people but in lots of different ways he said that like some people think oh that's like my family or oh that's like my ex or oh that's like my brain but it's like um it's a good way to sort of I think counter any sort of criticism an audience member might give Mm -hmm. like oh that's not realistic but then it also gives like a point of relatability and I thought that was interesting it's something I might try next time I sit down and have a group dynamic going on yeah no that is really oh I remember this quote from the what I think it's Jeff Dave Jeff Davis the creator of Teen Wolf the show um he's oh he um he's like this really cool gay man I love him all the the show ended up like (laughs) as most shows it was terrible by the end and of course it's you know it's very uh you it's very ridiculous and like a teen show but I absolutely loved it I've talked about it before but he said like this for some reason it was like the first time I'd ever heard it it was like it's kind of along the lines of um you know write what write what you want to read but like it was a different way he said it and it just really stuck with me and of course it stuck with me so much I cannot remember what he said but it was it was basically like create what you want to watch or create so I mean typically I would say if you create what you want to at least one other person will want to watch <laughs> yeah and they'll at least one other person will relate to it We're, we all have the same experiences for the most part in some way or yeah. another well, so anyhow and even if it's not your experience you're like oh I know someone who went through that kind of thing yeah usually exactly um all right so my number two I had to kind of think back because this was a huge part of my life in like the early 2010s was The Walking Dead. Um, I no longer watch it, but I actually stopped watching right after Negan was introduced. And it wasn't because Negan was like a bad character. Negan was an amazing character. Um, I just like was, my interest had like kind of been going down and I just stopped watching. Um, but like seasons one through like four, I 
I was really invested in. And uh, season three, especially with the jail, was my absolute favorite season. I loved it so much. I just something about like them living in a jail was so intriguing to me. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And a lot of it was because of the governor, which is on like a bunch of lists of best villains of all time or best TV villains, best villains. He's always on there. Um, he's this very charming guy with a very charming looking guy with an eye patch. Um, and uh, I I put his Wikipedia They have like a personality section in Wikipedia for, I guess, fictional characters. And this one says he is charming and charismatic, but also murderous, violent, sociopathic, power hungry, completely sadistic and horrifically ruthless. It's like, who writes these? Huh. Like, <laughs> uh, But he was just it was like the absolute per like it was the perfect um when it comes to like villains that you really can't feel for at all, like he was the perfect one because he did have so many facets. He didn't really have like a, I guess his, I guess his thing was he wanted to build a community, but everyone had to follow him. Like, so he led a, he led Woodbury, which was like a community of, um, of, you know, survivors. And he would only take in like ones that weren't in groups because he didn't want them to overthrow him. So he'd only take in like lone, um, He'd take in like lone people, you know, one or two people because he didn't want the groups to, um, you know, overthrow him. And so when he ran into uh, Rick's group, that was it was not the best. And he also kept his daughter who had turned into a walker like a lot. He like kept her because they he was assuming they could maybe turn her back or like he kept her and like brushed her hair and treated her kind of like. It was it it was creepy because it was it would be stuff you would do with your daughter if she was alive, but it was like she was a pet. Um, it was very yeah. He and he had a whole wall of like fish tanks with walker heads in them because he refused to like because they would still be moving like unless you you know stab them in the brain they still yeah it's it was it was crazy but he was just an amazing villain and the one um, I mean the scene that if I have to like pick one of my, my favorite Walking Dead scene of all time it's when he kills Herschel who is the old. He's like the complete moral compass of the show up until that point. He's the father of two of the main characters. He is in, uh, he was like, I think the the actor that played him actually passed away a few years ago. Um, but he was just, oh, he was like the old, the sweetest old man. And he was always the moral compass. He had the best quotes on the show. Um, he actually had a fake leg because uh, he got bitten. They had to amputate it. So he had like a lot of, he was just so interesting. And the way he died is insane. And everyone needs to watch that clip because it's just insane. Because you think that you think that Rick's like trying to convince the governor it'll be okay. Like we can all just live in the jail. Like you don't have to kill us all. And then you just like see the governor's face and he just whispers liar. And then you, he takes a katana and cuts the guy's head off. Herschel's head off. Oh. It's insane. Um, it, in 2013, that was like the biggest thing that the biggest emotional thing ever that happened to me in 2013. So uh, it was pretty insane, but he was just such such a good villain. He was like the, he was like the category of villains that you know he's just totally ruthless. There's like no redeeming qualities, but then he does have all these different facets, so he's not just boring. Like there's all these different things to him. Um, like to get supplies, he literally murdered a ton of uh, like soldiers, like just to get supply. Like he killed like yeah. an entire. It's just insane, and he was crazy, but he was just such a good villain. So, and I think that I'm sure that. Yeah. I'm sure that the villain, that Negan was really good because Negan's kind of known to be one of the, um, one of like in the, in the Walking Dead comics, he's like kind of the main villain. Like he's a very, very famous villain. Um, and he came in like right as I was, as I stopped watching, I'm sure he was, he was absolutely great, but there's just something about 
those first few seasons and the governor was just oof, perfection so anywho randomly while you were talking i um probably because dwight talks about zombie apocalypses so much i was like (laughs) does dwight count as a villain because i feel like he would be that ruthless but like not like yeah but like in a tactic like Like, i totally get what you're saying (laughs) he says he would be that ruthless i don't think he actually would because he comforts pam when he thinks she's crying because of pms but and um, and the way he treats and the way he treats angela as well like very 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 moments where he very much is not just you know utilitarian do (laughs) this but if they were cat zombies they would all be gone they would be that's very true I also thought of Dr. Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's a great villain. Why didn't we talk about like him or um, Draken? Is it Draken from Kim Possible? Oh yeah, those are oh, Shigo. Because they're both like they're all like Shigo's the brains, obviously. But, like the men are like so dumb, mm-hmm. and it's just so funny, and I love yeah. them. There's that type of villain too. The complete and... idiots. Mm-hmm. And they're like I guess super based on. Like old school Hollywood villains, yeah, who exactly. Lay out their entire evil plan. Oh, so funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> cartoons. Cartoon. Well, speaking of cartoons, go for it. Um, my next one is Zuko from Avatar. Yes, ma'am. Um, because I mean, and obviously he turns good and everything because he's a complex, well-written, dynamic character. <laughs> um, and yeah, I he's just he's you like him even though you don't like him at first like it's so well written he has these like little moments of like you can tell he's a 16 year old boy that's trying really hard to be tough and cool and it's just not working so there's you always have this like a slightly more dynamic understanding of him um i also just keep mentally going back to how bad of or how two-dimensional of a villain President Snow is. Yeah, now that, like, I really think Ugh. about it, maybe that's why she was like, I need to write a prequel, because he's just terrible. <laughs> but that's why, it, yeah. but I think that also led to why it was so awesome when Coin turned into be, like, the villain at the end, kind of. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. that led to why that was partly pretty awesome as well, so. Anyway, like, yeah. like President Snow really had, like, no power at that point anyway, but it was still, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's so important. It's just like evil Santa Claus. It really is. Except less interesting. Like Futurama with... Those are like the best Christmas episodes of all time. Or Futurama's... I don't know if you know, but like Christmas is like... Basically, there's a big Santa robot that comes and takes over like the whole town. And everyone has to board up their houses for, for Christmas mm-hmm. every day. so Or every Christmas. So, yeah, that's about it. I was going to say, I think it's really interesting that... Um, I keep going back to Thanos, but, like, Infinity War was, like, his movie. Like, literally, he won at the end. Like, he had, we learned so much about him, and that's why it was, I think it's important to have, like, you need to know the, like, you need to have, you know, scenes with just the villain, or just something to to relate to them in some way. I mean, like, you can relate to him, I don't know, you could relate to him loving Gamora. Like, that's something you can relate to. So, anyway, I think you just need to have more time with the villains, um, in like by themselves like I think we got that in like the Hunger Games movies but like he still wasn't he was still just talking to other people like because in the books we don't we only see Katniss but in the movies they expanded to sort of seeing like stuff that went on in the capital and like he didn't get any sort of we still there was no redeeming (laughs) well 
Well, I just never really understood what was going on in his head. He just, you know? I think it's just kind of like a power could've... situation. I think that's really it. I don't think there's anything else to, it's weird. I think he could have just as easily been some sort of, like, computer program. Like, it would have been more threatening because it would have been easier to understand, I think. He just didn't really make sense. I mean, I the know. the games were started basically to stop, uh, or to, like, as retribution for, like, the uprising that happened, right? So, like, is he just, mm-hmm. just has so much, you know, anger towards that and he's still just trying to get revenge on everybody all these years later? Like, is that the only... <laughs> like I don't know. Right. Like, what and else do like, we know about? Why him? is he so connected to that? Yeah. Nothing. He likes white roses and he smells like blood. But why? And he like he does have like a family. Like we saw his like granddaughter wearing like Katniss's braids and that was that was the best. Um but like that's it. Like I don't really know. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah well. There we go. Anyway. Um <laughs> Do you have another one? I do. I have um, okay. another one from, my final one is from another YA series, um, the Gone series by Michael Grant, um, where all of the, all of, because of like a nuclear accident, all of the, it's so weird. I don't really, I still don't really understand it to this day, but all of the adults get blipped out to the outside of this big bubble and all the kids have to survive and they have all these different mutations and whatnot. And the main character is a good guy, and Kane is his biological brother. Um, well, they have the same mom, oh. um, and they're like tw- they're twins, they're fraternal twins. So he's basically the evil twin, right? Um, but he is evil because he pretty much got sent away as a child. Like he was the one that was adopted away, and went to boarding school. Um, and he's absolutely terrible. I mean, he like is a terrible villain in the. He's just very power hungry and very like he calls himself. He, like, names himself king of the whole... He's just very... Yeah, I think it's a lot of it probably has to do from, you know, being the kid that his mother did not want. Um, and But what drew me to him in the beginning, I think, was just the whole boarding school aspect because, like, all of the kids were crazy and terrible from the boarding school, and it was just so... It was, like, the juxtaposition between, like, kind of the poor kids that were all, like, these really amazing, sweet kids and then, like, the absolute rich, nasty assholes that were at the boarding school. Mm-hmm. Um and it was just a very interesting dynamic. But I think in the very end, he essentially, um, in the very end, he basically sacrifices himself and blames the entire, like, thing on him. So, like, nobody else, like, all the people that killed, like, all the people that killed um, other kids, like, in the, during this whole horrible thing, like, every, he blames the entire situation on himself. Um, and I wow. think in the end, it was very, a very good ending. Um so, I don't know. I think he was just a really good villain because you kind of understand. Again, he's just a kid, so you can't really be like, you can't hate him that much. But he also, like, ate human flesh, so. They were starving. I mean, they were starving. They had no food, but, like, still, it's not the best. Oh. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that are uh, tough to redeem, but, like, in the end, you really just realize that he was just a privileged kid whose mom, like, left him. He really loved this girl, and he, you know, was just really insecure, and so. I think those are the best. The best villains that get redemption arcs are the best. That has to be biblically inspired, right? Oh, yeah. Kane? I mean, I'm sure. Because okay. um, if I'm he's a think, brother. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, it's Cain spelled with an E at the end. Cain um, from the Bible spelled. I think just, that's how it is. I don't remember. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and he, the twins, the main character's name is Sam, so that's not really. But, but yeah, it is without an e. Yeah. So anyway, I think it was just the the actual books are like written for a much. I I would say they're more middle grade than young adult. I mean, they kind of become young adult as you know the characters get older, which is how most series go. But their books are very like you know, they're not the most eloquent things in the world, but the story is just, I love it so much. And because you have so many, there's like six books and he wrote like three more that are like, that like sequels and all this stuff. And like, you just get to know all these different characters, like this huge cast of characters, but it all works. So I really like that series a lot. Yeah. No. Yeah. It sounds interesting. I started reading it in um, eighth grade. So I didn't even finish it till college because oh. I like gave up halfway through and then reread it all again. <laughs> It was so overwhelming. There's oh. six huge books. It's like that's why I can't ever watch Game of Thrones. It's so overwhelming. I give up. Mm. Anywho. Okay. Um. Oh, so my last one. I have four. Is I think the only wo- woman on both books. <laughs> we are uh, so bad. What is wrong with us? Shigo. Let's put Shigo women. officially on our list. She is so badass. Okay. I love Shigo. She really is. Um. Quigley is all of mine are from TV shows, and Quigley is from Harlots, which is the first thing I wrote an article about. First interview I did, okay, uh, with a costume designer for her. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I think she's basically she's a she's a bod, so like a pimp, but in the 1700s, and she <sighs> caters to super wealthy demographic. She's abusive she like locks her girls in and traps them with debt and i guess in the even in the show's universe all of the pimps do that um but she's like the worst i guess and there's like no affection like some sort of affection blooms out of the relationship in all the other depictions but for her it's just like very sterile but she's the way she's dressed, she looks like this puffy pink cupcake. Um, she's like all powdered and pastel, and oh, that's that's how the wealthy dressed back then too. Like that was the fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense, but it's so good. Like the contrast. That's is really incredible. that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, and it was definitely my favorite thing to talk to the costume designer about. Um, and it seemed like it was the question that he was the most enchanted by, if that makes sense. Yeah. He was like, oh yeah, uh, on your list you said blah, blah, blah. And he like gave a little chuckle. So, um, it was probably very fun to do that kind of design because it's rare that you get something that is going to look that iconic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm sure, I've always thought that if you're a costume designer, the most fun thing would, the most fun, but also probably the most intimidating would be to do a period piece, because, like, you have so much to work with, but at the same time, like, if you get one thing wrong, it's like, oh, like, there's a Starbucks cup in this Game of Thrones scene, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Not that, that that wasn't that costume, costume uh, designer's fault, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and well, and I think often once they do one period piece, that sort of becomes their thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think especially to go, oftentimes you're just dressing normal people in a way that isn't supposed to stick out. And for her, like her puffy fluffiness was almost like armor. And you do eventually find out like all her backstory, she's been tragically abused and 
eventually some goodness does come out, but it takes a long ass time and a lot of yeah craziness, which I think honestly is super real. Like it would take a lot for someone to one eighty like that. I mean, especially if she was um, if she was acting like very you know very kind of numb and sterile. I mean, if you've put up that shield yeah. for so long. Like, she was, she was trapping girls who came to the city just to, like, earn money for their family, doing normal Christian things. Yeah. And, like, sold them to rich guys who wanted to, like, kill them and have sex with them. Fine. Yeah, it's very dark. Um, very, very dark. But I think it also so rooted in things that actually happened, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's fascinating, and, um... Yeah, I, I just love her character, strangely enough. I know that sounds weird to say after I just talked about the things she did. But, um, I mean, every, but yeah, as long, I mean, you don't love the people that did these things back then, but you love the fictional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can, like, sort of tell, like, she does make sure to appear heartless when when she's, like, giving people away but you can sort of tell that she's like kind of disgusted or even almost like these guys are animals like she's a high functioning like very intelligent person and these guys are just like doing what their instincts tell them to do does that make sense yeah so at the very least you admire her because of that and then eventually there's like the moral stuff that does come into play um but i i think I was starting to say this earlier, and I never finished my sentence or thought, but um, I think a lot of costume designers are just dressing normal people, um, and for her, it was all very symbolic, mm-hmm. because I think she was, or like strategic, because I think she was operating strategically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now I want to go watch TV. All right. I'm trying to think of other, like, you know, there's so many great TV villains. There's just so many. Mm-hmm. The Great is also really good. It's very similar Hulu original David yeah. piece about Catherine the Great mm-hmm. and um, Peter, her husband. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's not historical at all, yeah. but it's done so well. And he's just an asshole. He's like a fratty, oh. stupid, king boy asshole. If you want to hate someone, watch that. If you want to hate someone, hate uh, hate Rose's fiance in Titanic. He's terrible. Yeah, yeah he is. <laughs> he takes a child and says, "I." For so long, my friend had um had I have a child as her ringtone on her phone, like when he screams out when he's trying to get on the life <laughs> Hey, what something about, about rich ball? rich people, huh? Yeah. Do you? Want to talk a little bit more about Shigo to wrap it up? I haven't, I have not watched any Kim Possible in decades. So, I mean, a decade. Uh, So I don't even know. I just remember that, like, she wasn't even really that bad. She was just, like, really cool. (laughs) So I remember. Yeah. She was a great fighter. She was a great fighter. She was a perfect, like, foil to, I'm sure it will, did, like, she was the only one physically fighting Kim, right? Like, I'm sure they just didn't yeah. want to have a man beat up a teenage girl. So, like, they added, <laughs> like, uh-huh. I didn't even really think about that. But he was an idiot, so I don't really know uh, how good he would have been anyway. But um, I think, yeah, she was, like, the perfect foil 
for for Kim. I loved it. Yeah, they were even complimentary colors. Yeah. And then, like, Ron and uh, he was so stupid that, like, it worked with (laughs) Ron. Ron wasn't that stupid, but. No, he was pretty stupid. (laughs) He was definitely physically incapable. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, but, like, whoever named these characters on absolute point. Like, it wasn't, like, it was the cheesiest thing, but it was so cheese that it was, like, the perfect thing. I loved it. And that they never acknowledged it, too, was great. Yeah, never. Never once. So good. Yeah. I mean, like, I think they probably, they probably were like, yeah, I'm terrible. My name isn't Ron Possible, but, you know, it's nice to have If they ended up together. I think they did. I mean, I'm sure plenty, plenty of people have thought of this, but if. She changed her name. She would be Kim Stoppable. That's why you don't get married every month. <laughs> you can get married. Just don't change your name. You don't have to change your name. No. Marriage for no one. <laughs> marriage equality by taking it all away. Oh my god. <laughs> this is my new platform. Goodbye. Just kidding. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. Give me my money. Sorry, just mad at Mitch McConnell right now. But I'm usually oh, in. A, I'm usually looking in a, at the news or something. I'm usually in a perpetual state of no. Just like an hour ago, it said that he was, you know, not giving us our money. So, and I think Bernie's just gonna talk has... on. Bernie's just gonna filibuster for like ten days until we get our money. So, but seriously, like I do not need it. But other, I I'm fine. I still have my job. Other people need this fucking money. <laughs> like, yeah. it's terrible. So please, I don't know. You can't do anything. You, you so listening scared. can't do anything about it, but, you know, people need money. Well, we can. You call your representative. Yeah, call your representative. To... <sighs> do something. Um, yeah, Mary-Kate always says that. She's a pro. Good. Um, Tell your sister to do it all for us, because everyone else is too lazy. Just kidding. I'm Be just scared. Active. We're going to lose so many restaurants around here. I know. We already lost Elmo's. Yeah, I t- I mean, it's hard to be really sad about, like, places in, I know it's not on Franklin Street, but, like, places on Franklin Street close all the freaking time, so it's, like, hard to be sad about yeah. that, but, like, Elmo's really hits hard. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, didn't, but didn't Sutton's close, too? Or it was a Yale Waffle Shop. I think it's Yale Waffle Shop that closed. Oh, I don't think it was Sutton. That. I don't know. But there's so many places. And I it's think. It's just so sad. I'm scared Margaret's is next, but mm. hopefully not. Since they just made it legal for you to order alcoholic drinks for delivery, we should all go out and order margarita for Margaret's, okay? Everybody Because the uncle will listen to us live in Chapel area. Hill, so. <laughs> so. All right, well, thanks for listening. Hope you had yeah. a great a great Christmas slash whatever. New Year. Slash New Year, slash whatever holiday. I, yes, go ahead. I'm getting the vaccine on Thursday. Oh my god, how? <laughs> um, because I work at my parents' office with uh, sugar, mm-hmm. um, the government like reached out to them. I thought, we all thought the office was going to have to wait, but because I guess they had enough to start reaching out to their like 1B phase, because there's a certain, yeah. I forget what, but one of the dental tools creates like aerosol, which makes... Uh, spreading diseases mm. more likely risky all that shit so anyways 
I never felt safer anywhere during the pandemic than my dentist's office just because they were mm, yeah. so careful like still even to this day nobody's in the lobby you, they call you and like yeah. they all wear complete full like two masks PPE everything it's just like oh my god mm-hmm. so yeah I think yes and that's how our office is so. yeah but it'll be good to have this extra layer of protection I think how long do you does it how long do you know how long you have to wait till you get the second Dose or? No, I just know that they said expect for your appointment to last one hour. So good. <laughs> Yay! Well, let's hope. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to hope anything. I don't want to wish for anything because I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, but uh, sending everybody good, safe vibes. Yes, agreed. Including each other. Yeah. Aww. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, feel free to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. You can follow us on Twitter at ObsessNaturally or email us at anobsessivenature at gmail.com. Perfect. <laughs> 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 <laughs>